baseball has an intimate relationship with the Susquehanna River. And in this presentation, we are going to examine what we know for certain, and we'll see if we can make a few inferences as well. So let's begin by looking at the river and its relationship with baseball. At the main branch's source location in Cooperstown, New York, we find the home of the Baseball Hall of Fame. And then on the west branch, in the very highest peak of it, we find Williamsport, Pennsylvania, home of Little League and the Little League World Series. Much has been written about baseball as a ritual, and we're not going to go into that too deeply into this presentation, but there are strong correlations with Freemasonry in particular. This is seen in the number of outs per inning. It's also seen in the shape of the baseball diamond, which appears to have a uh, compass and square type relationship and you can see the title of both of these articles and they can be found online if you wish to find out more information as it relates to baseball as a ritual itself but what we're interested in is more so its relationship with the river in Cooperstown so let's begin and see where baseball the Baseball Hall of Fame and the river relate. We can see here in this map, this is the bottom of Lake Otsego, and this is where the Susquehanna River begins. This is the source location. And what we have right here is the National Baseball Hall of Fame. They're about two blocks from one another. So the question becomes, why Cooperstown? Why is the Baseball Hall of Fame located there? And that is because of something which is known as the Doubleday Myth. In 1905, the Mills Commission, which was a group which was made up of, of different executives within the professional baseball league, and they had the purpose of getting to the bottom of who invented baseball. Was baseball actually an American sport? And the conclusion was that Abner Doubleday, a Civil War general, was the inventor. And it was said that he invented it in Cooperstown. And because of that, that is why Cooperstown is considered the mythological um, home of baseball. And the reason why I say mythological is because shortly after this, the conclusion of the Mills Commission, um, which was based entirely upon the accounts of a 75-year-old man, um, 
what he claimed, which was witness Abner Doubleday write down the rules, he would have been five years old when that occurred. And most people just saw through that. Um, nonetheless, the Cooperstown story stuck, and within baseball historians, it's kind of like a nod, nod, wink, wink sort of thing. It's not taken too seriously. And the man who headed the Mills Commission, who was responsible for claiming Abner Doubleday as the president, or the founder, excuse me, was Chicago Cubs president Albert Spaulding. So let's look a little bit more into Albert Spaulding. Albert Spaulding was a professional baseball player, and he was also the co-founder of the Spaulding Sporting Goods Company. And he was an owner and president of the Chicago White Stockings, which were the uh, which is the original name of, of the Chicago Cubs. We see here that he's credited for saying that Abner Doubleday is credited for um, for the game of baseball. But let's go a little bit deeper. So Spalding was a prominent member of the Theosophical Society. And in fact, he was a financial supporter and was a driving force behind the establishment of the Theosophical Society Lomaland in San Diego. We'll come back to that in a moment. Spalding also, in 1888, he assembled a team, or an exhibition team of baseball players, and they toured the world, and they played games in front of the Sphinx in Egypt, they played in front of royalty in London. And like, looking at this from a or a theosophical perspective, we can say that this is more of a ritual, particularly because of the year 1888. A whole bunch of things happened in 1888. Um, but whether it was a conscious ritual or not, um, it certainly occurred. So now let's go look at some other strange things associated with Spalding and, 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 and the invisible world. So one of the things which Spalding did, and probably is one of the one of the reasons why his company was so successful is he convinced the National League to adopt his ball or the Spalding Sporting Goods ball as the official baseball of the National League. And we can see that the baseball has 108 stitches. Interestingly enough, the Chicago Cubs won the World Series in 2016 for the first time in 108 years, which was the uh, breaking of a curse. Now, 108 is a very significant number within the Rosicrucian Brotherhood. It's also significant within um, Buddhism. There's some other interesting 108 connections associated with Spalding and the Chicago Cubs. Now, whether or not this is conscious or not, we do not know, but we do know that it occurred. So the question becomes, why did he select Abner Doubleday and who is Doubleday? Well, Doubleday was a career United States officer and he was a, um, he played a very pivotal role within the Civil War. He's credited of firing the first shot of the war at Fort Sumner 
and he also is known as the hero for the North in the Battle of Gettysburg. The Battle of Gettysburg is when the, the, the tide of the war changed prior to Gettysburg. The South was winning, and then after Gettysburg, the tide turned and eventually the North won. And Doubleday was the hero of Gettysburg. So one could even say that he is the one who, or the linchpin, or the, or the, the, the keystone behind the ultimate victory of the North's victory in the Civil War. We also want to point out that the Battle of Gettysburg connects directly to the Susquehanna River at the 40th parallel. Regardless, so Abner Doubleday was also the president of the American body of the Theosophical Society. Once the founders, um, Henry Steele Olcott and H.P. Blavatsky, returned to India, they selected him as the president of the body. Remember that Spalding was also a prominent member of the Theosophical Society. Also written here is how Edison, Thomas Edison, was a member. This we're going to come back to in a little bit as well. So what is Theosophy and the Theosophical Society? Well, Theosophy is a collection of mystical and occultist philosophies seeking direct knowledge of or the presumed mysteries of life and nature. The Theosophical Society was founded in 1875 with Blavatsky, Alcott, and William Judge. H.P. Blavatsky was, she was a, she was a celebrity during her time. In fact, I've, I've read one analysis which referred to her as the Paris Hilton of her time because she was so well known, but no one really knew why. She was an occultist, she was a medium, she was also an author. So theosophy and the theosophical movement has had a tremendous influence on our modern world. Hear this quote, no single organization or movement has contributed so many components to the new age movement as the Theosophical Society. It has been the major force in the dissemination of occult literature in the West in the 20th century. Theosophy has influenced Dion Fortune, Aleister Crowley, and has also influenced Anton LaVey Satanism, Scientology, Wicca, and modern, the modern New Age movement. So we can see that baseball's mythological founder is directly connected to some very esoteric ideas. So now let's return back to the actual Baseball Hall of Fame itself. The Baseball Hall of Fame, the Baseball Hall of Fame was established by Stephen Clark, Stephen Carlton Clark. And you can see it right here. He founded it in 1939. And the Wikipedia description, which is probably completely controlled by the Baseball Hall of Fame. I mean, that's just how Wikipedia works. It kind of presents him in uh, a less than accurate depiction. He was the owner of a local hotel and he 
sought to bring tourists to the city hurt by the Great Depression. But Stephen Clark was no local businessman. He was much, much more. He was the son of Alfred Corning Clark, who was the son of Edward Clark, who was a partner in the Singer Sewing Machine Company. Isaac was also heavily involved in New York City real estate and says when he died in 1896, he left a family trust worth $30 million. So $30 million in modern in modern um, time is equivalent of about $800 million, a little bit less than a billion dollars. So maybe not necessarily Walmart money or Bill Gates money, but, but certainly uh, of the elite moneyed class. So not that much is known about Clark and his personal life and his personal beliefs, but we can make some assumptions by looking at what he was connected with. And so we can see that he was the board member of the Singer Sewing Machine Company, the Baseball Hall of Fame. He was a board member of the New York State Historical Association, which implies um, certainly a love of history. He was involved with um, the New York Trust Company, which eventually was acquired by Rockefeller's um, Chase Manhattan. He was involved with Roosevelt Hospital. But his biggest interest appears to be in the art world. He was on the board of both the Metropolitan Museum of Art, which is one of the most visited museums in the world, and also of the Museum of Modern Art, or MoMA, which is one of the largest and most influential museums of modern art in the world. So this is particularly interesting because the modern art movement, which is typically tied to an artist by the name of Mondrain, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, I think he's Dutch, um, but he was a theosophist and he created modern art as an expression, a visual expression of non-visual energies. Here's an article which talks about how modern art has a formal relationship with theosophy, um, though they may be a little bit embarrassed by it, at least that's what this author says. Here is uh, an article which talks about a show called The Enchanted, the Enchanted Modernities, which explores the relationship between theosophy, modernity, and mysticism. So, to give a visual representation of how this all connects, we have H.P. Blavatsky and Theosophy up here, and she connects directly to Albert Spalding via him being a prominent member within the, the Theosophical Organization. And we see that she connects to Abner Doubleday because he was the president of the Theosophical Society. And we know these two gentlemen connect through baseball. Now we have down here, we have Stephen Clark, who was the founder of the Baseball Hall of Fame. And he had a love in modern art. And modern art is a visual representation of theosophy or theosophical principles. So we can see how there's this large connection between all of these different characters.
So let's go a little bit deeper now. So what does the Baseball Hall of Fame represent? Remember that Clark was a student and lover of art. And art ultimately is about symbolism, whether taking, taken literally as a two-dimensional symbol, I'm talking about paintings at least, a two-dimensional symbol of three dimensions or actual symbolism embedded within art. It's symbolism. And so the Baseball Hall of Fame itself is a symbol. And what could it be a symbol of? Well, within theosophical beliefs is an idea of masters of ancient wisdom, also known as ascended masters, which are spiritually enlightened beings. So we can think of the Baseball Hall of Fame and all of the members who have been inducted into it have ascended the sport to its highest level in the same way that an ascended master has ascended from normal mortal life. Now, the second part of diving deeper is we want to go back and look at how Clark's grandfather was a real estate developer. We often see within elite circles that there are certain trends um, that are multi-generational. We see this most frequently within the financial services industry, whether that's the Rockefellers or the Rothschilds, but it happens in other industries as well. And Clark, being the developer of this, is following in his grandfather's footsteps, who is also a real estate developer. And Probably the best known piece of real estate or New York City real estate, which the grandfather Edward Clark is associated with, is the Dakota apartment building located on the Upper West Side, bordering now Central Park. And the Dakota is known for many things, its architecture being one of them, but in a more modern sense, it has played a very, very interesting role in, in popular culture. The exterior was used for the shots of Rosemary's Baby. This is a film by Roman Polanski, the known pedophile, and the nature of the movie is a woman, Rosemary, who was impregnated by Satan, and she gave birth to Satan's child. The Dakota is also, um, was also used in the original film, the 1980 original Ghostbusters, and the building, which the, the fictitious building, art reflects life and so forth the architect was said to have started a secret society which performed rituals on the building's roof and then in actual material reality the Dakota is famous for being the home of John Lennon and it was at the entrance of the Dakota that he was shot to death and his death is very strange and anyone who studied um, MK Ultra has known that there are certain um, connections between the assassin
assassin and the catcher of the rye and, and potentially the John Lennon murder being a ritual sacrifice. Here we see one of the movie posters from, from um, Rosemary's Baby of the Dakota and all of them witches. So now let's switch gears a little bit and we're going to go to Little League. And so we see that Little League was founded in 1939, which was the same year which the Baseball Hall of Fame was established. And it was established Little League in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. We also know that Little League World Series is still played every year in Williamsport. So let's look at this map of Williamsport. Here's South Williamsport. This is the Little League Museum. And right here is the Susquehanna River. And it's a very significant location on it in the fact that it is the peak. And I'll show you this right here where we see the bottom of the West Branch north branch excuse me this is also where mormonism was established so we can see that there's this connection between high points and low points and some degree of history so let's let's look at baseball a little bit deeper now we're going to be playing with some ideas so we want to we want to be loose with with how serious we take this but uh, my sense is there's a lot of clues with it. So here's an article here which talks about and says the first American baseball team. And it, it's, it's talking about ancient ball games in, in Nevada and it deals with the Hopi Indians. And this is based upon a lot of research which was done by an archaeologist known as Barry Fell who wrote some books in the 70s which were very controversial which talked about Phoenicians and Nordics uh, um, being well established in North America thousands of years ago and he talks a lot about baseball or at least the um, early um, ancestors of baseball being played out there and in this article it talks about these petroglyphs and the words they used and the similarity um, to pitch and catch and runs um, and how they're all in Gaelic. Gaelic is um, the ancient language of the Celts. So now we also know that there is a connection between in language between the Phoenician language and the Celtic language. Um, linguists in the 18th century noticed a great similarity between that Phoenician and early Irish Celtic language. And the early Irish Celtic language predates Gaelic, but um, there's obviously some degree of correlation. Here's some examples of what was used, which the linguists used in the 18th century. So the point of all of this is because the Phoenicians participated in something known as Baal worship. And Baal worship is known for their correlation to human sacrifice and often child sacrifice. Now baseball is interesting as a sport because it's one of the few sports where sacrifice is part of the game. So now we're going to kind of go and I said we're playing with ideas. So this here is an image of the Susquehanna River and right here where the three branches converge 
Sunbury, Pennsylvania, which is where Thomas Edison, prominent theosophist, he built the very first power plant and building wired for modern electrical distribution, which is positive, negative, and neutral. Positive, positive, negative, and neutral. And theosophy and really all of of, of Western mysticism has a connection to Kabbalah and the tree of life. The tree of life has a left-hand path, the path of severity, the middle path, the path of balance, and the right-hand path, the path of mercy. And so imagine this as an as-above-so-below reflection of the Kabbalistic tree of life where we have our right-hand path, and we have right here at the sources where the Ascended Masters are, right here where they all converge at Sunbury at the Eclipse, and right here is Williamsport of baseball. And so this is interesting because this is the left-hand path, and the left-hand path ultimately is also, could be thought of as the path of sacrifice, and the ultimate sacrifice is child sacrifice. And the ancients in all of their ball games, whether it was the Aztecs or the Phoenicians, the ball game which was played was considered that of, of men, of adults, it was not that of children. So thinking symbolically, having a child play the ball game of baseball in a way is um, it's children playing. symbolic nature it could be thought of as sacrifice um, and now to make this a little bit more real there seems to be an interesting correlation on the river as we have on the 40th parallel we have three mile island and we have right here which is where Penn State University is located generally in this vicinity and Penn State recently was plagued by um, by um, by the second mile foundation. So we have three mile here and we have the second mile foundation here. And the second mile foundation, if you recall, was a um, organization run by the Penn State assistant football coach, and it was associated with abuse of children. And the depth of that, in my sense, is probably very deep, but on at least the surface level, we can see this left-hand path severity is occurring right here. So this is admittedly a, a lot of stuff to think about. Um, and maybe the conclusions are not so, um, so, so specific. But they're certainly pointing to something much, much greater and deeper going on on this river. Thank you very much.